episode 985 and it's a relevant podcast here in orlando i'm your host cameron strang and joining me from loverland virginia it's jesse carey hello hello from austin texas author speaker podcaster jamie ivy hey guys and from nashville tennessee artist producer mogul Derek miner what's happening all right it is a good show. We, I'm excited about this. One of my favorite artists is joining us today. James Vincent McMorrow is coming up. He is in the summer digital issue of Relevant, but we have part of that conversation on the show here today. Uh, don't miss it. Stay tuned for that. I'm excited. I've been, I've been a fan of his for a while. You know what's cool about this week right now when this is out, Jamie, you're officially coming back to work, right? Like if you I'm back to work, I, if we just email you about the show, we get her out of office that you're on sabbatical mm. until late July. Yeah. How has it been? First of all, oh, first of all, thank you for doing the show while you're on your sabbatical. But <laughs> uh, how, how has it been for you? Has it been what you wanted? Listen, the reason I'm doing relevant is because I went back and forth and I was like, man, my person who kind of runs my company, she's going to kill me if I said yes to this. But I convinced myself that this isn't work. This is like hanging out with friends. And yeah, that's why I'm doing this. So, uh, it's mm. been awesome. My last day was like May 23rd and I go back July, I don't know, like the next Monday, whatever that is when we're recording. Uh, it's been really good. I'm telling you, I really miss working. Mm-hmm. And at Cameron, I know you took a sabbatical like a year and a half ago. I miss working. I feel like I have FOMO for my whole team. I'm like, what are they doing? How much fun are they having? What are they planning? I miss doing what I do, but I also have really enjoyed just being at home. But, you know, we were in Italy for 30 days. And so yeah. I've been home for three weeks. The difference between our sabbaticals <laughs> was that mine was <laughs> unplanned and was my, my life was falling apart. It was kind of forced. You got to mm-hmm. choose a sabbatical. It. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. is so true. That you is go so to true. Italy. Yeah, <laughs> I was just trying to like, like survive. Yeah, I was trying to get through it. Jamie, yeah, let, let me ask, in your non-travel time of the sabbatical, what is, what is what is a sabbatical day look like? Like, are okay. you do, are you like doing like you know, f- readings of, of, no. or are you okay. kinda, let me just tell you, let me yeah, tell you. So when it. we got back from Italy, I realized I've got to get my body back because we just spent 30 days in Italy, all the things. So since July 1st, I've been working out like a lot. I walk every day today. I walked four miles. Wow. So I've been doing that. Uh, Aaron and I spent two days laying on the couch watching Breaking Bad. Um, nice. We started July 2nd. We are going to finish season three today. Um, and I have organized a couple of rooms. I redid my daughter's room while she's at camp cleaned out the laundry so just like a lot of just getting things done sleeping late it's just been great does sound pretty great reading a lot of books have you not seen breaking bad no i've never seen it Oh, wow. Now you got Better Call Saul. That's what we're going to do next. After, I know, yeah. yeah. Which I think is a better series. But uh, oh. yeah. Whoa, you think Better Call Saul is better than Breaking Bad? People are saying I that. Think it, I think it becomes better. I think it becomes better. Like, I think around epi- around season uh, three of Better, better Call Saul sl- starts really slow. Like, uh, I, watched the, I watched half of the first season, and I was like, get me out of here. Did you, see- did you like Breaking Bad, though, Derek? I loved Breaking Bad. Oh. oh man! But I literally watched Better Call Saul like right after Breaking Bad ended, and and so I think I might. That's have been what we're on gonna a, do. Breaking yeah. Bad is so good, like 
my expectations might have been too high. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah. So maybe I, it might be good for me to come back because I yeah. need a new show they, and kind of peep it they out. They spend a lot of time in the world of elder law, which isn't the most thrilling when you've just watched like what is that? biker gangs and oh, cartel members okay, and, yeah. and shootouts. Right. But, you, you know, because the first couple seasons, I mean, it's pretty much you know, him trying to get a settlement for, you know, people who, you know, elderly people getting ripped off at a yeah, you but know, nursing that's home. That's a but, little different than what we're watching right now. But it, it evolves yeah. because they have to show how this, like, lawyer became, you know, the, the Jimmy McGill, this yeah. kind of hard hardworking lawyer becomes Saul Goodman, the kind of criminal. Oh, yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to believe right. it, and, and it takes time. But... See, Breaking Bad, like when they started it, the plan for that show was that it was going to be a black comedy. It was going to be a dark comedy. And uh-huh. that's why they cast Malcolm's dad as the lead character. They thought it was going to be like this, like Barry, you know, as like a dark comedy. Uh-huh, and right. and then they figured out like what they had mm. and they turned it into one of the best dramas ever made and they, they left it behind. You can see the shift. It's an interesting evolution. But the knock for me on on Breaking Bad is that they cast some of the characters, some of the the wives or sisters or whatever for this other kind of show. And then those (laughs) actors were stuck with this other prestige show that I think they were not equipped for but oh cranston and and aaron paul i mean just obviously yeah crush it and all the new characters they add unbelievable but it was just an interesting thing where they have this tension of they they were transitioning from one type of television to That's another interesting but mm. but better call saul knew what it was from day one because it started you know after, after. they because mm-hmm. nothing ends i mean the end of breaking bad it Shh. culminates as as one of the best shows ever made yeah, but I think Better Call Saul stands on the shoulders of giants and starts from there, and what hmm. they're where they're escalating towards. I think I agree with Jesse that it's surpassing what Breaking Bad even did. It's it's unbelievable right now. the The second half of the current season just started this week, and yeah. it's like unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, what also. What Breaking Bad is doing for us is on our nightly walks to take our dogs around the neighborhood. We're figuring out who might be doing meth in our neighborhood. We're checking out the houses, <laughs> yep. saying, oh, you know, good. could they? Come to and Florida. Doing, it's good. Come it's to good. Florida. Throw a rock. That's all you need. You'll find that. Proactively call just, the police. Yeah, I mean, you know, too. we're just trying to, we're having yeah. deep marital conversations of would I stay if you were doing meth? You know, those kind of things. And, you know, it's just, it's bringing a lot of things up in this sabbatical time. Of watching Breaking no, Bad, like hi, your, your husband's like hypothetically, maybe we do doing <laughs> right. a, a room tomorrow. If you find pallets of cash in the Bag wall, just hypothetically, right. I want to know what your reaction would be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've had the conversation. Don't worry. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. And yo, my wife was like, I started watching it, and then she was like, No, nah, I'm not doing this. Like, it, it just got it got so intense that she was like Breaking Bad. She was like, No, nah, I'm not doing this. So she would like it, fly one, in every now and again, like when a drug dealer is like being oh. chained to a wall or something. She's like, Okay, I'll I'll, I'll leave, and you could just there, catch me up. There was literally intense. an episode. I walked onto the front porch and walked from outside of the window because I was it was so intense. <laughs> I could not be in the room. Is it? I, it was when when they had the guy out there and he was with the grandpa that was ringing the bell and and yeah. Hank showed up. I don't know if you remember all that yeah. in season. Oh, I had to watch outside. I was like, I can't be in the room. 
It's a lot. So, well, it's hey, a lot. just wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're gonna be you're gonna be basically outside of your house, like peeking in through the window. That's how. Yeah, just bring it a chair for the rest of it. Just bring a chair, <laughs> put it on the porch, just watch from outside. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. All right, we're moving the show along. Stay tuned. Up next, it's slices. I'll be on my way. You're listening to Giant Rooks. The song is Morning Blue. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4. Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, uh, I, this is this is incredible news that I'm bringing to everyone. That uh, you know, the Olympics are coming to Los Angeles in 2028. That's that's been established. Uh, but the International Olympic Committee wants to debut a new event when we get there, setting the stage for what I think is just going to be a fantastic Olympics to come. Pickleball. So there, I think pickleball is actually coming. Oh. I did read that. What um, really? Yeah, it's some kind of pickleball, but that's not the slice. Okay, I, someone's going to have to fact check that. <laughs> but, I, but when I, but when reading this, I did see pickleball somewhere. So let's just assume it's the new uh, opening ceremonies game. Just a big, just a big global pickleball. The Olympics are now just a global pickleball tournament at the rec center. <laughs> like the, the this year's Olympics are being hosted uh, by the Crestwood Rec Center. Yeah, um, on, on the cruise I was on. Last month, the uh, right we were eating lunch above the sports court, and and, yeah. and right out the window they were having a pickleball tournament. And there is nothing more awkward than watching old people shuffle around trying to play pickleball. <laughs> it's like it's like I feel like they're gonna keel over and die, man. Anyway, I feel like Jesse, aren't you the one who's like always thinks if you just trained for like a month nonstop, yes. you could be an Olympian? Three yes. months. I feel like ninety okay, days. three months, ninety yeah. days, Give me ninety, 90 days, days for like, like a target. For, for, but, but the stipulation is got to be a, yeah. it, well, it's got to be a sport that you know I like. I'm not going to be like. It doesn't have like physical prohibitions. Like I probably couldn't be like a sprinter or a long jumper okay. or something like that. It right. has to be like a target sport type okay. of situation. Yeah. Well, you this know? is what I think pickleball is going to be for all of America. Everyone's going to be like, I could totally do that. Like, yeah. like I could play pickleball in the Olympics. Everyone will be saying that. Yeah, well, I agree. Well, I'm excited about about potential pickleball and uh, another sport that's coming is breakdancing is coming to Paris, the Parisian Olympics, competitive breakdancing in, in 2024. Huh. But in Los Angeles, they are getting ready to add uh, ninjaing. That's not what they're calling it, but basically they partnered with the people who does like American Ninja Warrior, the TV show, yeah. uh-huh. which are just awesome obstacle courses. And they are going to add an obstacle portion to the pentathlon, which is uh, a, a five event 
race. Very or hard. Fu- yeah. A, yeah. They're, so they're going to replace one of the pentathlon events with an obstacle course, preparing the way for American Ninja Warrior courses to be its own standalone event. But I love this story awesome. because the, the pentathlon right now, I bet I'm just going to throw it out there right now. The pentathlon is meant to be like to gauge how well-rounded of an athlete you are. Can anyone name the five events in the modern pentathlon? They run. They jump over that thing and land in the water. Oh, that's mm. during the running. Yep. I bet they throw. No, I guess I can't. They throw something. Swimming with long jump. One? They do the long jump. They throw yep. a it, it, javelin. Swimming. Swimming. <laughs> swimming. It's, this is like, I don't know. This is like, it, it looks, it sounds like basically you're training a medieval knight uh, because it's swimming, running, fencing, shooting mm. and show jumping i would have like, never with guessed a horse, any of those. with a horse oh and show jumping with a horse that's right so they're going <laughs> to they're going <laughs> to eliminate the show it's jumping <laughs> it's pretty awesome yeah they're going to eliminate the show jumping and replace it with the american ninja warrior course which i, I feel think like is that's awesome. going to attract a totally different type of athlete you know like oh, yeah. athletes right. are like i'm not yeah. going to sign up for that because there's like that horse part now yeah yeah but, but it's like, oh, I want to be a pentathlete. I don't have access to a show horse. Like, right. It is a little prohibitive to people who want to get into the pentathlon. Also, can we just... I was thinking about this too when I was reading this slice, and it's like the, the horse thing is the obvious one to, to eliminate. Shouldn't horses just have their own sports? Like, why do we need to involve? Why do we need a rider for the show jump or for horse racing? Greyhounds just run. We don't have little jockeys on them. Okay. They're fine. Just running around. Why don't we just have horse sports, people sports, dog sports? Why are we combining horse and people? Just have a horse sport. Have a horse race with no riders or have them go show jump. Why should I be? What? It makes no sense. Let's have our own. You're saying we don't need jockeys. We don't need jockeys. We don't need show jumpers. We need just the horses. If you want to have a horse Olympics. Would they do it? No, I think you do need somebody to steer the horse. Like I, you can train dogs. The horse seems just as smart as a dog to me. Dogs, you ever watch Westminster? They're jumping around doing hoops. And They're stuff. led on a leash. That's true. They have a little they person run their walking own next races. to them. They run their own races. They do run the obstacle course. Oh yeah, that's course. true. But they have the trainer barking out orders and stuff. No pun intended. Have, all I'm saying is while we're while we're relitigating. The role of horses in the Olympic Games and wisely replacing it with American Ninja Warrior. Let's just go ahead and start a horse Olympics because horse Olympics. <laughs> we don't need them in the people Olympics. It's people Olympics. The okay? people Olympics. What, 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 there's no other animal involved in the Olympics except for show horses. What that makes no sense. Oh, that's well, why true. Don't, why, why don't every event have a random animal involved? It, it makes zero I sense. I think just like maybe the Olympic committee saw how low the viewerships have been recently. And they thought, what are we going to do yeah. to get more people to watch the Olympics? I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm with a, American I, Ninja. I, warriors i'd watch that i ain't gonna lie like because american ninja warrior is dope i don't care what nobody say i enjoy yeah. watching that show yeah like it's, it, it pushes people to their limits like they gotta think of stuff on the fly like you know you got it's it's yeah i, I like it man i what do you, you know. think about co- this competitive break dancing being added though like it's such I, a that's odd it's a weird it's appropriation odd. of hip-hop culture i mean it's a the purpose of it is not I'm going to like, <laughs> you know, wear some sort of like country uniform and like I, do technical. Sk- it's just so strange that I just want to watch Sweden do a break dancing competition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to watch all of the, 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 
the white people do it. That's going to be feels, my fun. It feels weird to me. And would I, I'm going to be careful here. Would a break dancer consider that their sport? Nah, Does it make sense? What I'm saying? I think it's an art. Okay, so art. That's but, why but I'm wondering this, like Olympics well, with the Olympics. They have a lot of art though. Think about the gymnastic dance thing with the ribbons and stuff. It, like there's no sport in that. It's like about beauty. It's about the art artistry. So I think it okay. falls under that category. You Guys, know? listen, black people have been appropriated for so long that it's <laughs> like, we're not even like tripping. It's just like, yeah. All right. Another we're going to watch yeah. the white people break dance. Like, let's do it. Kind of, it's, it's not even nothing to be to me or to me. Uh, maybe it's not black people. Cause I'm not the spokesperson of all black people, but I know for myself, what? I'm just like, right. <laughs> I know for myself, I'm like, look, man, it is what it is. We make really, really dope stuff. And then everybody wants to do it. So uh-huh. it's cool. It is what it is. I don't think it's Sweden that that'll do well. I think, but where's hip hop culture? Huge. A lot of the Asian countries. Oh, and, they're going to so, kill it. Mm-hmm. They're gonna, yeah. they're, my Asian brothers and sisters going to kill just it. Glad. Every I'm time. Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm just glad it's, they're just, it's like its own. The competition is breakdancing. It's not breakdancing in the middle of another competition. It's like with the gymnastics. <laughs> like yeah, are you back to the horses again? Are no. you? No, no. I've already I've already solved that with the okay, horse Olympics. Okay, okay. I, I, the horse Olympics. I'm talking about I'm talking about like the gymnastics one where they go do a bunch of flips and then it's like between the moves yeah. which they're being scored on. Yeah. they have to dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the rhythmic the rhythmic gymnastics is what you're talking about. Where they yeah, literally have to do dance moves and then they do the flip and then they do just, dance moves. Just, yeah, just do the flips in one competition, do the dance in one. Right. Like I don't know why we're combining these. Yeah, you, you're, they're overcomplicating. I didn't. I'm not here to see the dancing i'm here to see someone do like four flips in the air and land it like it's it's not like they're doing the gritty like celebrating the sweet <laughs> flip they just landed like if i landed a flip i'd probably dance but it wouldn't be yeah. like that yeah it would right. be celebratory it'd be end zone oh, style goodness. you know anyway so after the real olympics is over they have all the facilities usually about a week later they'll do the special olympics so now you're advocating that the next week after that they'll do the horse olympics are there any other specified Olympics that we should be advocating for except for, are you just going to stop at the horse Olympics or do we need to have other special Olympics? I mean, if we're, if we're really going to talk about this, yeah. let's, let's go there yeah. because I mean, they're kind of biased with their seasons. Why don't only two of the four get their Olympics? Okay. Oh my gosh. I'd love to we see have a fall some Olympics. spring Olympics. We have, we have the summer, we have the winter. Why don't I have fall? Have some pumpkin carving in there. Like have, have hayride races. Have hayride races. Straight up hayride races. Okay. For that sake, why not do Bobby. Look, we're, we're doing ninja. We're doing ninjas. We're doing, we're doing ninjas in, in the summer. Why don't we just do a costume contest for Halloween? Straight up. Olympics has a costume. Really? Like, why are we doing summer and winter? I don't. I, there's a lot of things. Yeah, it, you should be on you know, the committee. You should bring this up. No. I mean, no. I sent them numerous emails about a horse Olympics. And <laughs> no. Can you imagine just horses from every country? It'd be beautiful. Like the opening ceremony is just—it's just a long montage. I mean, they're basically walking What's into like the corral, man? which would be like the stadium, yeah, which yeah. is a big corral. Yeah. But it's horses from every country yeah. while music is playing. And they all look alike. Though. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's, the humans could learn a lot. Oh my God. Now I will say this. You got to be careful about Stampede. <laughs> Someone left the gate open. Horse Olympics have turned tragic. 
Oh, gosh. Stampeding through the, through the streets of Luxembourg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jamie, what do you have? Uh, okay, I got a great uh, feel-good story for us. Um, you guys, I don't know where you live, but in a lot of places, there are shortage of workers. Everyone feeling this, you know, like right. shortage of workers? Yep. Well, a lot of things that have happened around the country are a shortage of lifeguards. All right? Anyone here grow up going to their little city pool and spending hours there all day? Yes? Anyone? I just see, yeah. Jesse oh, yeah. was that person. He was that lifeguard. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jesse, this story might inspire you because um, a Pennsylvania grandmother has come out of retirement at the age of 70 mm. to go back to a lifeguarding job. She said the kids need it. There are pools shutting down left and right where she lived uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, 65 pools in their city, in their, uh, in, in Philadelphia are open. Lots are closed. So she said, you know what? These kids, they don't have any place to go. She knows what it's like living in her neighborhood. So she went back and re became a lifeguard again. She was a lifeguard when she was 16. She's 70 years old. And so now she's committed to the kids in her neighborhood and she is a lifeguard. What's up, bro? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I love, and that the story is, is two things. Number one, you're never too old. Yeah. To right. get back to your community. Right. She's 70. Right. right. And number two, the other moral of the story. Yeah. It's coming to me. I had it. Is <laughs> I lost it, but you know what, guys? You're she never too old to get back to your right community. <laughs> Horse Olympics number two. You know, you know who would make great lifeguards? Horses. They could just jump in <laughs> and you just get on their back, and then they'll just walk right a lot out. Of people don't know they're actually fantastic, That's fantastic. horses. That's r- real talk. Real talk. All right, Derek. Derek, All right, what, you Derek got? what do you have? Pull us out of this. All right, uh, well, I don't know how Jesse's going to bring a horse into this. I've one. seen videos of horse diving <laughs> off a high dive before. Okay, real quick, I have literally seen videos back in like nineteen twenties. People used to do at Coney Island. They jump a horse off a huge high dive, and it seemed like the horse would love it. <laughs> sure, and it was, it was like the biggest thing to do in nineteen twenty five at Coney Island. Oh, gosh. Why can't we bring that to the Olympics? Horse, horse high dive. I mean, there's so many events, guys. Yeah. I'm a pass. You know who's not going for this? I'm a pass. What is it? PETA? PETA? What are they called? PETA, They're not yeah, going, yeah. PETA's not They're going, not going for going this. For no, horses will love it. Horses will love it. All the, they, they, they live for this. Horses, if you leave them to their own devices, they're running around just goofing around all day. I'm serious. You ever seen horses in the wild? All they do is run around. I watch Yellowstone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seem, they seem pretty How did content. Yellowstone get snubbed for the Emmys? Not one nomination. Really? Not one. I'm dead. no Yellowstone. I, I love Yellowstone. All right. What do you have, Derek? Uh, Creflo Dollar mm-hmm. uh, apologized and uh, said his teaching on tithing was wrong. That, so, I, I am, I am sh- beyond shocked about this story. It's crazy. I'm not. What did he say? He said he just said tithing. Tithing was was never meant for. He's like tithing in a, in a sense. Hold on, I'll, I'll, let me read the article. But in a sense, what he said was just tithing is like you're not bound to tithe to the church. Like it's not a sin if you don't tithe. Like well, tithing he said, was he meant said to the, take the message of giving, like tithing, to then be blessed financially by God mm, that prosperity that, stuff the prosperity gospel he's been teaching mm. is what he I my understanding was that's what he was re- recanting saying that I, right, I, I, I no longer believe well, the idea what well, the idea of the prosperity gospel is hey if you take care of God's 
church, he'll take care of you. Right. And he blesses you for blessing the church. Right. right. So uh-huh. the idea and what he's saying is if you don't do that, you'll be cursed in a sense, sin, right? You're missing the mark. So therefore, so in a sense, that's what's, that's what's being said is like, nah, I was wrong. He's, he literally said, you could throw all my books away on tithing yep. from the past. So wow. I, I thought it was dope. And I, I think, I think this, like, I mean, people are going to nitpick this because obviously the prosperity gospel is a hot button topic and, you know, religion, Christians are not looking too good lately, but I think it's dope to watch somebody say something that's been so centered to their yeah. ministry to say, I got it wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's dope. So I, I just want to give a shout out at the regardless of how you feel about it. Because I've seen people kind of nitpick it and tear it, you know, rip it apart or whatever. But I think that it's great that a person of his stature, because he easily could have just kept teaching what he was teaching because he's benefiting from it. But he said, you know what? No, nah, I, I, I want to tell people that, you know, I was wrong in this area. I think we should model that more in 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 Christianity in general. Yeah, I went to Oral Roberts University, which is the buckle of the uh, prosperity gospel belt. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he was our commencement speaker. Creflo Dollar mm. spoke at our graduation. And I just remember I was so troubled by that pervasive message of if you if you believe enough, God will heal you. If you give enough, mm. God will pay it back to you tenfold. And it was it, it was a transaction faith. And it was just like that thing of like, I'm not going to give to God to get like, I feel like that is such a wrong heart to have, you know? It's like, I want to give because I can't outgive God, you know? Like, God will bless think, you, but I'm not giving for the purpose of receiving. I'm giving mm-hmm. because of, I, that's what my heart wants to do, is to bless the church and bless others, right? I mean, so sh- let me let me qualify this by saying I am not a proponent of the prosperity gospel. But you also have to remember, you grew up rich and white. So the reason when you look at the prosperity gospel, why it's so powerful or why it has such a hold on minority communities, because most of those communities are minority and poor. So their only hope is for God to bring something through for them to Mm -hmm. pay the rent, to pay whatever. So for a lot of people, for better or for worse, their idea is, well, listen, I can either pay my rent or I can pay my tithes. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to take care of God's house because God is going to take care of me. Right. So I think for a lot of people, like, I'm again, not a proponent of the prosperity gospel. Don't think that the gospel works in that way, but you also have to see that it's not for people that are broke and they're like, man, my only hope is God. Like if to pay this rent, to pay this mortgage, to pay this or that. Yeah. I need God to come through for me. So I'm hoping that if I take care of what he has, then he'll take care of what I have. Mm -hmm. Most of the people I grew up with, that's their perspective. It's not, let me hit the lottery. It's really, I'm in a really, really rough situation. I don't really have. So I don't really have anything. So all I have is God. So again, but I'm a proponent of that. We need to have the churches going into these neighborhoods and making sure we teach people how to balance their checkbook, how to grow their wealth, Mm -hmm. to know that that stuff 
is not necessarily you. Like you don't have to depend on God to manage your four hundred one k. You don't have to depend on God to manage your Roth IRA. You just need education, right? But for someone that's uneducated, mm-hmm. don't have a lot of help, they're like, "Yo, I I'm gonna get my last hundred dollars in hopes." that God will help me because I need, and the, and the thing about it, we could say like, hey, you know, don't like, and this is not, not pushback, but just, I think sometimes we could be so anti something that we overlook the fact that the gospel does, I mean, the Bible does say a person that comes to God and is wavering in their faith need not ask because they won't receive. But when you have the money to go get everything that you can get, you don't really have to use your faith as much. But for somebody that don't have any insurance, their mama's sick, and it's like, man, I need a miracle right now. Mm-hmm. I'm believing their faith. God hears their faith, and he does something He does something in many situations, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think we got to also find the balance. But I just wanted to push back just a little bit in that sense to give, because I know I, I, a lot of people that listen to the show have the vantage point of you know privilege and and why would people believe this nonsense but uh, just giving some context for people to understand why especially in minority communities why the prosperity gospel has went rampant and it's really kind of you know where the That's heart good, comes Derek. from it's you know? good you know you're yeah. connecting some dots for me because my my parents started charisma magazine which was the the right platform for that message right but i grew they both came from ministry families that struggled uh, and when i was young i mean my parents were working multiple jobs and struggling and i mean we, i was if you know orlando south obt is where we lived strip clubs mm-hmm. down this block that i mean it was not a good area at all and and then like through the church that we went to my dad was like starting you know this magazine he was a he had multiple jobs anyway and so like i'm interested that maybe out of that struggle is kind of almost why they latched on to that theology as well as they kind of grew and built things like god's blessing it and it's almost like almost the same reason what you're talking about that's interesting but you're I, i grew up the whole gamut economically right saw the change in them over 20 years you know but yeah that's that's really interesting man that's It'd be point. interesting to see yeah. just like statistically what uh, financial bracket gives the most to. Oh, it's the low, type low of organization. Income. Right. It's old people, yeah. fixed yeah. incomes. Yeah. No uh-huh. question. Which, yeah. No yeah. question. Which is why the prosperity gospel, why a lot of these preachers are so predatory, right? Because you're looking. I remember watching this. Uh, I wrote a song back when I wrote my album called uh, Minerville called Gimme. And it was really about uh, it was about this topic and what spawned it was I was in New York and it was like 2 a.m. We just got back from a show watching some TV to calm down. And uh, I saw a ad with this dude named Peter Popoff. Now I go look at Peter Popoff and I found out that Peter Popoff got went to jail or something because he was giving prophecies. They were fake prophecies. His wife was going around like, getting people's information, right? Mm-hmm. And he goes to jail for this. Well, I look in Peter Popoff's audience and it's all black people. He's this white guy with mm-hmm. slick black hair, but it's all black people. And you could tell that they're bringing their widow's might. And it's like, he's like, yeah, I uh, called Peter and it was literally like an infomercial. Like I called Peter, he sent me this magic spring water and I got a check in the mail for a thousand dollars. And then I did this and that, and that. And you see these, what my homeboy would call them hucksters 
taking advantage of a lot of poor people because they are believing God for a miracle. And these mm-hmm. guys are just wringing them dry. So that's why I think the Creflo apology is so important to talk about yeah. because regardless of, and we can't in revelation, we can't schedule when someone gets revelation. It, somebody could get revelation in a year. It could take them 20 years. I don't know when he got this revelation, but the fact that a person of this stature is able to say, nah, I was wrong for this. Like, I think that's that's something that should be applauded, you know? But yeah, a lot of these people take advantage of low-income, fixed-income people to, to buy new jets and new cars and all those different things, you know? I wonder yeah. if this will make any difference in that world because Creflo was, uh, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of prosperity gospel preachers. I mean... Yeah, I mean, he, my mom told me that, name is that literally somebody dollar. just yeah. tried to refute him. So I, it's going to cause mm-hmm. a rift for sure. I forgot who the guy is. She knows all of the charismatic preachers. My mom, but she's, you know, my mom is super, she called with it. But she was like, yeah, I'm with Creflo. And then she said, yeah, this one guy, he's he's out here still trying to take advantage of people. I'm like, get him, mama. She'll be on, her face, she'll be on his Facebook page tonight. So... <laughs> Good. Keyboard warriors. Letting them know what's going on. Just like Jesse's on the Olympic Committee's Facebook page, telling them about the Horse Olympics. (laughs) Horses. He's mapping out all the events. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a whole Facebook community I have right (laughs) now. All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, James Vincent McMorrow joins us. Don't wait for me because one day I leave and we will never meet again. You're listening to Julia Bat. The song is Karma. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Our guest today is James Vincent McMorrow. He's an Irish singer-songwriter who recently released his new album, The Less I Knew. He sat down with our very own Tyler Huckabee to talk about his newfound inspiration, how he's keeping his perspective fresh, and why he's excited to embrace change. Here's part of our conversation. Now, you might have seen the full-length feature in the summer issue of Relevant. Here's part of the conversation from that feature with James Vincent McMorrow. White birds in motion down by the sea Band on the pavement playing Britney I never noticed the weight of this song We stopped to listen, I sing along We sing along, we sing along We sing along, we sing along along. along. 
Is it hard when you feel yourself start shifting creatively, growing creatively, maybe even sort of evolving? Do you feel like, well, you you have fans, you have a good number of fans who have certain levels of expectations for what they're going to listen to when they listen to a James Vincent McMorrow record? Do you feel a sense of like commitment to them to, well, I can't go too far off of what people expect because that's that'd be a betrayal or that would be a curveball that people might not be ready for? It's an interesting question. I think I've always had a quite a, I would say, looking at it in in hindsight, more of a belligerent perspective towards it. Um, yeah. in that, not, not belligerent towards the fan base, to be very clear, belligerent towards the notion of having to live up to an expectation mm-hmm. or the idea that like music should be this very linear, straight thing. That like, if I, you know, I started from a very simple place, you know, playing a guitar and my first album did quite well based on this premise, this idea that people had about me. And so, my sort of belligerent chip on my shoulder attitude was like, well, let me try that expectation and see what happens if I rebuild it. And and those things worked for me. You know what I mean? When I made my second record, it obviously did well. Same with the third album. And it was, you know, if people listen to them in isolation, there are different things doing and going on different journeys, but obviously it's part of this mm-hmm. overarching arc and this idea that I have about what a musician's journey or an artist's journey or anybody's journey should be. It's in the same way that you've moved to Paris to take advantage of like this situation that you find yourself in, like as a, as a musician, as anybody, if you're a filmmaker, like, you know, Martin Scorsese hasn't made 40 versions of the departed. You know what I mean? Like you make that one movie, like that one thing Uh, and you move on. But uh within music, there is often this sort of like the audience wants what it wants and they want you to do a thing. I get that. I understand it. But like, it also, it's a weird push and pull because if I kept giving the same thing over and over again, people will get bored with it. But then equally, some people will get frustrated with the desire to keep pushing and keep moving. So you have to kind of find the balance and the nuance within it, which is a tricky thing because there's not a lot of balance and nuance in life in general anymore. Mm, sure. So yeah, to, yeah. Try, to try and say like, I want, I want to evolve. I want to push myself while also to wanting to bring people along with you and communicate with them that this is a journey that you're going on, that we're all going on together while also appreciating that the world isn't incredibly nuanced. So you have to sort of find a way to distill it down into something that those people can all appreciate. It's a real mind bender and it can really yeah. like take you down some dark roads. And it has taken me down some dark roads, especially in the last three, four years where I think I got to a point where I was like, how do I rebuild this again? What do I do? Do I rebuild this again? Or do I, so, you know, it can, it can be very advantageous and, and to the idea of being acutely aware of the evolutionary necessity of music while also it can kind of be a snake eating its own tail where you sort of uh, find yourself in these strange places. Uh-huh. What a wicked game you play Make me feel this way What a wicked thing to do Make me dream of you What a wicked thing to say you never felt that way thing to do make me dream of you I 
think that'd be very difficult for a songwriter, and I'm not a songwriter, so you can correct me on this, but to sort of have the humility to release something that's very personal that you worked on for a long time, and that oftentimes I know is like involves a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get it out there, and for somebody else to take that and for it to mean something to them that may not be what you intended at all. And I'm sure you've heard some interpretations, like you said, that are like in your heart, you might say, that really wasn't what I was going for, but it's still kind of cool that it means something to somebody, even if it's not quite what you, maybe what it meant to you when you wrote it down. Yeah. If anything, I always like that idea. I always welcomed. It was more when people asked me what stuff was about that I got a bit clammed up. Like, Uh, because I was, what you just said there was actually probably exponentially more how I saw the thing where I was like, it's not for me, it's for you. You get what you get from it. You take what you take. Mm-hmm. If you think I'm thinking about that, like the, that, uh, there's that Bob Dylan song, Ballad of the Thin Man, where it was all, when I was, when I first heard that song, I remember like Googling it and there was like a million different interpretations of what it was oh, about. Sure. Yeah. And I was fascinated by that. I was like, oh, and then I would listen to it based on like what I read and I'd be like, oh no, it's about that. It's about critics or it was about, I think there was like potential that it was about uh, like a, a relationship that he'd had with a man and all these different things. And you're just like, it's fascinating to really get into that. And obviously the fact that he's never planted the flag and said, this is what it's about kind of is what makes it work. So I definitely always aired on that side of the line now it's more like when i'm writing the lyric i want to do it in a way that is like clear-eyed so that people can uh-huh. read it and and get an amount from it rather than maybe when i was like i aired towards the abstracts to probably protect myself a little bit more at certain junctures like and i still have a tendency towards the abstract but it's trying uh-huh. to again understand in the time is there a more coherent way to say this that gives me what I want as the artist while also giving people what they want as the listener. that you have kind of found a sense of a little more self-possession with this album which i think to be totally candid i, I think shows in the in my listen at least to this album I, I really enjoyed it and it felt like like each of your albums have honestly for me like a very definitive step like a, a shift you you found a new way to say what you want to say and, and a new way to say it and i i really do admire that do you have any or maybe you don't even think of this way but do you have any ideas for the future like here's a type of songwriting i'd like to be or here's a way I'd like to grow and maybe I'm not there yet I'm aware of that but I want to get there does that even does that enter into your mind I think I'm I'm in a place now where I can see the next stages like being quite consistently similar where I feel like I've always been searching for like anchor points to jump off of and I'm not sure if I've ever really had an anchor point that I felt like that's it I'm saying something and I'm doing something that feels Mm -hmm. like I'm I am in control of it in in a holistic way rather than a manic way and right now with this record and this next record that I'm going to release and, and I'm working on a bunch of different things at, the, at, at this moment, I just, I, I'm, I'm approaching it with less of a sense of preciousness. I appreciate that music is this thing that the world will decide whether it wants it or not. I think yeah. the, the musical landscape, when there's so much money involved and there's so many like tour dates and so, like there's just, it's a big 
it's a big economy that I'm involved in. It, it pays for a lot of people. And that comes with an amount of pressure. And also you maybe get into this cycle where you think every song is this like hallowed on a pedestal thing. And it's really not. Music is supposed to be taken off the shelf and like ripped apart and played with. And I don't know if I necessarily appreciated that before that like it has to be this malleable thing. And so now when I get in the studio, I, I kind of, I'm not going in going like this has to be this, you know, um, like Sistine Chapel of a thing. It can just be what it mm -hmm. wants to be. And within that sense of like less preciousness, less nonsense, I guess, around <laughs> the actual craft of it, the music just feels really like natural to me in a way that it probably didn't before. And I think I feel like less of an, like that imposter syndrome kicks in, which I always, again, thought was a good thing because it drives you forward but now i'm at a point where i'm like i know i know that i can do this well i've always known that i can sing i've always known that i can write songs but now it's about more than that now it's about just like occupying it in a sense that feels more realistic and um, going forward so that i can keep going back to the well and keep finding new ways to say things so second it starts raining if you're bored you should say now before the sky turns gray and we're left on the ground we'll have to dig a tunnel to escape that was James Vincent McMorrow. Make sure to check out our full feature with him and the new issue of Relevant. It is presented for free by World Vision. You can find it at relevantmagazine.com. Just click on the magazine tab. It's right there. Listen to the song that nobody said He's the coolest person I've ever met Smoking cigarettes in the woods beyond the fence But they never You're listening to Pool Fire. The song is Radio Man. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st. And this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers. And when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus's growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable. Choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus's message turns violent, He's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, Relevant Podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. All right. Well, we had a great plan for this segment. We had a very, an epic battle that was very timely. And we have run out of time. So we will do that on next week's show. Guys, get ready for it. It's a good one. Epic battles coming up next week. But before we wrap up, I do want to thank James Vincent McMorrow for joining us today. You can read, like I just mentioned, you can read the feature that we have with him in the summer issue of Relevant. The entire issue is presented for free by World Vision. You can find it by clicking the magazine tab at relevantmagazine.com. And if you're a Relevant Plus subscriber, 
you get your ad-free, enhanced, beautifully designed edition. Um, it's available now in your user dashboard. If you aren't a subscriber of Relevant Plus, you should be. It is the best way to experience our content ad-free and early. You get an ad-free early release version of this podcast. You get an exclusive subscriber edition or a subscriber podcast called Relevant Plus Conversations. Uh, each Friday. You also get an enhanced ad-free version of the magazine. You get ad-free reading at relevantmagazine.com and unlimited access to all of our content. It's uh, a great way to experience our stuff and plans start at just two fifty a month. There you go. Go check it out. All the information is right there in the Relevant Plus tab at the website. Also, while you're at the site, make sure to check out Deeper Walk, our weekday devotional series. You can sign up for a Deeper Walk newsletter to get a, uh, get a devotional sent to your inbox first thing every morning, or you can just check out the new post right there in our feed and in the faith section at the website. Deeper Walk is presented by Lumo, and we thank them very much for their support. Go check it out. It's a great way to start your day. Oh, also, if you like all the music you hear on this show, we have a Spotify playlist called Heard on the Relevant Podcast. Just search for it on Spotify. And while you're clicking around on our profile, you might notice that we have a relevant worship playlist, a relevant indie playlist, a hip hop playlist, and we update them all every week. Go check them out if you're a Spotify user. Some good good tunes over there. All right. On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We'll see you next time. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. Someone left the gate open. Horse Olympics have turned tragic. Relevant Podcast Network.